So, today on the Pulse Wave, he is an advisory board member at the Ripple Suicide Prevention Charity, and he is the Global Chief Operations Officer for Emplomind. They provide mental health services in the form of therapists to companies across our great globe. Emplomind wants people to thrive at work rather than burn out. They want mental health to be treated seriously. And they believe that happy people build strong organizations. Love that. So mental health is a really intriguing subject for me. I've, since I sort of discovered it, I'd say probably about seven or eight years ago, I'm a pretty open guy. And I think it's important to talk about your experiences. And, you know, maybe that helps take the old stigma off of it, right? 100%. 100%. So yeah. I would like you to help me with something. Mm. I don't know if I've ever felt burnout. I think maybe I perceive burnout is as you don't want to work anymore. I think I'm looking at that incorrectly. So right, let's talk through that. Burnout. Yeah. I want to change the, the lens on it a little bit from the work perspective. I come across a great analogy not so long ago, and I think this is something actually that as a society we are struggling from, right? When we think about that coal fire, right? So, you know, you think about that fire that you put on to, to combat the cold, right? You think of the fire. To get a blazing and roaring fire, we've got all those coals all huddled together, right? Creating that energy, creating that fire, creating that glow, right? So when I think about our issue with burnout as a society, I actually think what we're seeing and what we're experiencing is not just because of work. I think from a society perspective, burnout is huge. It does blend into the workplace. And that's because actually, if we go back to that fire and those coals, many of us are popping out of that fire. Digital technology is fantastic. It brings us together, enables us to do this, but all of that noise around digital sometimes and consumerism, whatever it might be, and society means that actually many of us are popping out of that coal fire or a little coal that is isolated and is burning out. We're becoming a little bit disconnected from our communities and society. Got it. So burnout not necessarily meaning like, oh man, I don't want to go in and work on that strategy session again. Burnout is... It's bigger. It's bigger than this, right? Yes. So seven, eight years ago, I think maybe I was feeling lonely, you know, between, you know, moving my family, having uh, more kids, young children, starting a business, basically being a newlywed. And... It, 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 you find yourself in positions to where you're grasping. What do I do? How do I keep all of this together? Tough. Really, really tough. Yeah. I'm going to break the fourth wall, Emplomind. We are a customer of Emplomind, and many of our employees have found value in it, myself included. My therapist had a really special niche, and everybody has different needs. So, uh, you know, I'm curious when you talk a little bit about that and the variety um, and why that's important. You know, I'll share a little bit as well about about my journey because I've been in and out of counseling, therapy um, from the age of 13, right? Um, 
you know, my, my parents broke up. I had one counsellor, uh, you know, around that time, then got into counselling again around the age of probably 22. Didn't really work for me. I didn't build up the rapport, the relationship. I wasn't ready. Um, back into it now to try to address a lot of the stuff that's gone on in my past. And part of that experience for me has been finding the right fit individual. So what we look to try and do at Emplo Mind is solve some of that challenge, right? We, we want to make sure that we've got really diverse support for people based on their specific needs, right? Their specific needs. What works for you, Virgil, is not going to work for me, etc., etc. That's both choice around um, when I want to engage on, in therapy, how I want to engage in therapy, tools that are used in therapy and counselling, you know, what methods work for me. It goes further than just the tools, the education, the experience these people have and the specialists have. Also, what's really important are some of the other barriers that we need to break down, right? Cultural barriers, stigmas in certain cultures that might prevent people from engaging in support. So again, what we build out on that global scale is that diverse pool of specialists, not just based on their skill set, but ethnicity, gender, cultural backgrounds, lived experience, right? All these bits are super important to make sure that someone engaging in support go, it stays engaged in the process, right? And if they, they don't find the right fit, then we can, we can get the match with someone else that will really be able to help them. You, you mentioned stigma again, and I find that interesting. You know, I don't know, 15 years ago, you didn't hear much about mental health. And now you can't swing a dead cat without having someone talk about mental health. So if it's such a ubiquitous term at this point, many folks are on to mental health and how they can uh, uh, improve their mental health. Why do you think there still is such a stigma? I'm going to be really direct. There's many people that will talk about mental health, but have they walked the walk? Are they willing to do the work? In certain organizations, they can talk a great game about how they want to build certain cultures and support their people, but what do they actually deliver on is another question, right? Put that to one side the workplace, and let's think about stigma a bit, a bit broader again. Let's think about, um, I'm going to dig into a really deep topic here if it's okay, suicide. I've yeah, unfortunately got some lived experience with this. My, my, my dad's mum uh, took her life. Uh, back then, all those years ago, she was diagnosed as schizophrenic, um, and, and she took her own life. So this is a topic that's, that's really close to me. In the UK, right, suicide was considered a crime up till 1963. So there's still a lot of work that's being done around language, around suicide. As an example, the word committed, you often hear people talk about committed suicide. Why are we using that language, right, if it wasn't um, illegal since 1963? What barriers does that pe put up for people openly coming forward and talking about their challenges, their suicidal ideation? Yes, there's a lot of a good conversation going on a around, but there's still huge amounts of work that needs to be done, right? Always. So you're in contact with organizations across the globe, but we're going to generalize here yeah. or in, a, in a country. Which country is most is least stigmatized toward mental health? 
Um, the UK is making good strides. But if I think about like therapy and counselling, you know, my experience with the US, I think there's definitely more of an acceptance around therapy and the benefit in a proactive fashion towards utilising therapy. Right. In many other places, we have to shift the we have to try and shift the language around therapy from being seen as like a reactive. Oh, my goodness, I'm only going to go to therapy when the craps really hit the fan. Right. Um, whereas actually we know and you and I know and many others know that the, the benefit is in using that tool and that support in a proactive fashion. Right. That's one of the, the key things that many organizations in UK and US are trying to address is how do we make and educate and deliver that support on a global scale for our remote teams in different locations as well. If you told folks that you're going to be doing therapy over a computer, I think that we would have laughed. I think many people thought we were crazy, right? And I don't like using the word crazy. So I'm talking about language. Ah. And I've used the word crazy when we're talking about mental health, right? We're constantly learning. We're constantly having to kind of sense check ourselves. But yeah, four years ago, people may have thought we were, and, and did tell us we were crazy. Yeah, well, well, clearly it works. So what are some of the things that you guys are doing to um, elevate the experience now that you have a lot of data? Yeah. And how can we help them drive specific initiatives into areas that are impacting their business and their people, right? Because actually, when we think about the workplace, you, we come back to burnout a little bit. One of the biggest challenges in any workplace is workload that causes stress, can you know lead on to burnout, etc. When we look at some of the insights we get from the anonymous support we provide, that kind of workload is a real challenge for many people. Absolutely. We're not always blessed with the, we're playing this juggling act, right? around how do we create healthy cultures and environments? How do we maintain the margins that we need to maintain? And how do we grow the teams sensibly as well? And how can we help educate on improvements, areas that perhaps could do with more resource so organizations can think about how do we, how do we give our team what they want whilst bearing in mind all these other bits we've got going on over here? But then also, what role can technology play in giving people easier access to support, more self-help? So we're looking at areas like that to, to give people more tools to self-manage in between and outside of sessions as well. Are there tools for gratitude? Is there journaling capability? All these kind of bits that people can build out healthy routines with. You have a long history in recruiting, and so do I. I started out as a recruiter, uh, tech recruiter back 25, 26 years ago. So it's interesting that you're specifically saying that nine out of 10 recruiters suffer ultimately from anxiety or depression or burnout. Are these numbers different for other types of skill sets? Let's think about a recruiter for a minute. A, a recruiter at their heart is a salesperson, right? Those kind of numbers probably translate quite well into sales. That was really interesting, though, that, that data. For, that's from a, an organization here in the UK called Mental Health and Recruitment that's founded by a, uh, a phenomenal woman called Rhonda that's ex-recruitment as well, recruiter at heart. Um, and she's some, done some research specifically into recruitment agencies here in the UK. And, uh, you know, just at the start of the pandemic, I believe it was, and, and come across that data. 
Um, I agree. So our first recruiting training 25 years ago was called Recruiting is Sales, based on wants and needs. You also mentioned, Lee, uh, I was looking through your, your LinkedIn. Half of Gen Z and millennials would quit their job tomorrow for one that better supported their well-being. What supports well-being? Is that programs like Emplomine? It's also more fundamental than that, right? We give them stretch targets that are achievable. We create an environment that is open for collaboration. We create an environment that means they can really show up as their true authentic selves, yeah, and use their skills to excel. On top of that, people are looking for what other things can my organization do to help me? Because actually we know that we're in a world where we're having to deal with an awful lot as individuals on a day-to-day basis. We've got wars going on. We've got financial crisis. We've just come out of COVID a few years back. We're still unpacking all of this, right? So actually it's like super important that an organization does make sure they've got support in place for their people because it's no longer a benefit, right? It's just the right thing to do when our people that are driving our results and driving our performance are, are showing up every day for us. What are some of the things that a company can do, real projects, real programs that don't cost, so to speak, cost money? ERGs, employee resource groups, especially if you've got like a diverse workplace, global workplace, but you know, just different cultures, different individuals from different demographic backgrounds, right? Put together ERGs, employee resource groups, right? That are looking to engage communities to come together and work on initiatives together that come from similar communities and similar backgrounds. So Lee, tell me for some HR professionals that are watching this who are interested in bringing more benefits into the company for the employees, what are some of the things that they can tell that executive or owner to get them interested to the very least get them into the conversation with them and you guys? I'm super direct about this. HR, don't go and talk about this as a benefit, especially in today's market where there are, there's, there's challenges out there, there's financial challenges, and sometimes the first thing to be looked at is a benefit, right, in terms of cost savings, cost cuttings, whatever you want to call it. Let's not be packaging this as a benefit, right? This is a must-have within organizations. Yeah, whether that's EmploMind or other mental health tools services out there, it is imperative that you are looking after your people with technology and changes within the workplace yeah, that are going to better support them and ultimately increase performance. Right? We also know that if you need to put the financial case together, because this is, I think, great study from Deloitte on this, right, that for every kind of pound or dollar spent on well-being initiatives, right? Because again, I don't want to call out just a specific tool or specific tools in this, but well-being initiatives, I think you can expect somewhere between five to six dollars in terms of return on investment, right? And that's through reductions in absentees, presenteeism, those kind of areas, right? And increased performance, right? So the, the case has been proven by Deloitte, right? They've done that research. We've got that data now. But I think to just run alongside that we need to start transitioning this conversation away from a benefit to this is a must have, right? 
Without a doubt. And I will say that Metronome's having a great experience with Emplomind. Really happy to have you as part of the Metronome balance. And now, Lee, are you ready? Because it is time for the Pulse Check. The Pulse Check is where I ask Lee three questions, and he answers that in a song title. I'm very excited about this. All right, question number one. What reflects the overall mood of your clients this month? Love this question. And we're going to kick off on a real positive note with this one. A change is going to come. Sam Cook. I love Sam Cook. Isn't he British? Miss Mississippi, I believe. Birthplace. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah. off by Sam an ocean. Cook. Yeah, off by an ocean. But we don't worry about those kind of things, right? We're all friends here. That's right. Question number two, what best captures the biggest challenge in mental health you've observed recently? Love this one. White noise, disclosure. Disclosure, aren't they British? They are. Ah, I got this it. One. I was just guessing on the you've first one. <laughs> <laughs> you got this one. White noise is that sentiment around, you know, what we touched on earlier, right? That kind of... That, that, that noise we're all consumed in from all the different tools, digital forums, whatever it might be. I love it. And finally, how do you feel right before a therapy visit you expect to be quite heavy? This, so this is where I've got to sing to you. Right, I don't know if you're ready for this. Right. Come on. It's just emotions. Do, 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 do. Bee Gees. Those mixed emotions, oh, right. right? I even tried to get to that, you know, the pitch. I went there. You were there. Your octave was perfect. <laughs> Your perfect pitch. My goodness. <laughs> Lee Godwin of Amplomine, thank you so much for being on. I could sit here and talk about mental health with you for the next several hours. Amplomine is a great resource. It's completely worth it. So Lee Godwin, thank you so much. Thank you, Virgil. Appreciate it.